Well, we continue in our series this morning about life change, and uh, remember what we've been doing here. We've been going through each week just gleaning some uh, biblical steps that that God uses to create uh, life change uh, in our lives. And we've been doing it under a theme verse from Isaiah 57. And so uh, let's say it together again. Okay, you got it down by now. You probably know it by heart. I don't even have to put it up on the screen, right? But we'll do it anyway. You ready? I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn, bring words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord, who heals them. So he is the one that's going to heal us. He is the one that's going to lead us. He's going to do it with comfort and compassion. And he's going to create life change, right? We're going to go from who we were to people with praise on our lips. And not just good old peace, but abundant peace, right? Well, if you've been here each week, which I hope you have, you've been following through on the steps. And so today is the time when I get to summarize those steps for you. And they really wrap up for me at least into seven as we were doing the message series. And remember, we just started out by saying, look, we got to realize we are powerless. We can't do it ourselves. It's just not in us, right? We'll see that again today, but it's just not in us. Uh, and we got to realize that God is real and God is powerful, right? And he can do what we can't do. And so we willingly surrender to God's will. We just let it go. We just let our life uh, be absolutely all about him. And uh, when we let that go, let our life go, we can also let go of all the garbage, all the guilt, all the shame. You know, everything of our past It is a new life that we get to live. Uh, and in that new life, we let the word and the will of God change our thinking, change our speaking, and change our action, right? We get reshaped, remolded like the potter reshapes that clay, right? And uh, we let the word and the will of God reshape us. We start living the way he wants us to live. And that means we're going to forgive others and we're going to get with Christ-minded people, right? We're going to go ahead and engage others in accomplishing forgiveness. And then we're going to surround ourselves with Christ-minded people. And then we add the last one today here, number seven we add. And that is get with God daily and his people regularly. Okay, now, right away, you're all saying, oh, okay, I knew that message was coming, right? Okay, this is the old message about how we're supposed to get with God daily, and we're supposed to be in worship, and right? You kind of expected that? Exactly, but guess what? The problem is, it's true. I mean, if life change is going to happen, and you're going to be able to have staying power, that's the theme today, staying power in that life change, you got to get serious about what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we keep talking about it, and it keeps coming up in the midst of God's people because it's simply true. If you do these things, if you do these things, you will experience staying power. Now, I can prove this to you in another realm as well about the importance of just doing these things. Okay, Here's the way it goes. So how many of you have exercise equipment in your basement? Yeah, isn't that great stuff? How many of you have exercise videos on your shelf? Absolutely. How many of you actually use them? Okay, a few. Kind of lost the percentages there, right? Yeah, and there's a principle that you learn about this stuff, right? Just having it in the basement and just having that video on the shelf really doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't make for a lot of change, right? Change only happens when you actually do what? Use them, right? I mean, change only happens when you actually use them. And then even so, even if you get into it and you get serious about it and you power through it for 90 days and you get that body after 90 days, 
What happens if you stop on day 91? And 92? And 93? And 98? See, if you don't use the principles, you can't expect to experience the fullness of the life change that God desperately wants to accomplish in your life. And so step seven becomes absolutely vital for us to understand and apply into our lives as God has been creating this life change in our life. As he starts creating this life change, we apply this step number seven so we get that staying power. And you need to understand, it's going to be tough. It is tough to keep doing it after 90 days, right? You just got to power through it, right? It's tough. Why? In our spiritual realm, when God starts doing life change, after your life starts changing, it's going to start getting tougher. Because the evil one does not want you to succeed. The evil one does not want you to stay in the power of God. Because the evil one knows if you stay in the power of God and you get this staying power and you apply these spiritual principles and you get these spiritual disciplines going in your life, you're going to be a world changer. And the evil one fears that. And so it will do everything it can to convince you. Time to get flabby again. Don't exercise. Leave it on the shelf and let it collect cobwebs in the basement. Right? And that's what happens. Once we start advancing, once God starts moving our life, change starts taking place because we've, kept, we've gone through these steps, we're going to have that place where we have to just push through because there's going to be a temptation to fall backwards and retreat. What's it look like? It comes to us in the, in the ways of overconfidence, in rationalizing and compromising, right? We, we get life change happening, and, and what happens? Life change happens, and we start getting overconfident. We start saying, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, you know what? I, I, think, I think I got this under control, right? And we start puffing ourselves up and saying, I, I can do this. This is okay. I got this. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, right? We start telling ourselves how absolutely wonderful we are doing and that we have it under control. Control. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What was step number one? We are powerless. Wasn't that it? And what happens is we start getting self-confident and we start taking back the power and the control. Right? If you go to Galatians 3, Paul says, Are you so foolish? You began with the Holy Spirit. Are you now trying to complete God's work in you by your own strength? See, his word of warning saying, listen, you, step number one is there because it's an important step. And you need to stay in that relationship of surrender to the power of Christ in your life. And don't fall into this temptation of just getting overconfident. Because if you get overconfident, it's going to lead you into these symptoms of retreats. And your life is going to stop not only changing, it's going to start moving backwards. If you look at Zechariah, the angel comes in and uh, gives a message and he says, I am the Lord all-powerful, so don't depend on your own power or strength, but on my spirit. Now, I highlighted a phrase there for you because it's really important we understand this one. It's God saying to Zerubbabel, I am the Lord all-powerful. What is he? He is the Lord what? 
all-powerful. You know what that means? He is, you're not. <laughs> right? Is that what it means? He is, you're not. Well, think about this. Who you want to depend on? Yourself who isn't or the one who is? You see, we get overconfident, and when we get overconfident, we start shifting that dependence to ourselves. When in reality, the only way our life's going to advance and life change is going to keep moving forward in our life is if we get the principle and say, wait a minute, he's the one that's all powerful. He's the one that's doing this in my life. He is the one that's all powerful. When you start getting overconfident, you start going into retreat. As you go into retreat, then you start rationalizing. You start looking at your life before and you start, you start rationalizing. You say, well, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good. I got this together, that overconfident stuff. And, you know, after all, I mean, what I was doing before really wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, so look, I, I put on a few extra pounds because I had a difficulty with overeating. But, you know, I mean, I was looking healthy. Oh, you know, I just spent, you know, an hour a day in my office or in the basement on my computer watching pornography, but it, it really didn't affect anybody. It was just me and my computer. So we start rationalizing, like somehow what God has been doing in our life, what he's drawn out of our life, really wasn't that big a deal after all. Galatians, Paul says, you were, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads to the whole batch of dough. What happens is we start planting the seed of rationalization that somehow what life was back there before life change, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. And we start convincing ourselves, not only are we in control again, but you know what, we can just, we can move back a little bit because it's really not so bad. And we rationalize our old behavior. And once we do that, then we start to compromise. And we put ourselves right back in those old situations of temptation. So we've been struggling with alcohol. And uh, we rationalize and we begin to compromise and we say, well, you know, I really miss the guys. I mean, the guys down at the bar that I stopped in after work every day. I mean, they're really a bunch of good guys. And, you know, after all, I'm, I'm doing good and I can handle this. And, and it, I mean, it really wasn't so bad. It didn't really hurt anybody or get pulled over by the police or anything. I mean, it wasn't so bad. So, you know, I could probably just stop by. I could just hang out with the guys for a little while. After all, I mean, they were pretty good guys. You see how that works? And we start compromising and we put ourselves in those positions of temptation. Corinthians, Paul says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Temptations are real. What God is moving you from in life change you can't fall into that self-confidence, that rationalizing, and then get to this place where you start compromising and putting yourself back into those same positions. And you say, well, wait a minute. I thought that God would never put me, that God would always be bigger than my temptations. Well, okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians again. It says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
That's a great verse. Isn't that a great, great verse? Absolutely. God is awesome. But what is he talking about here? First of all, he's talking about the temptation that comes from the evil one. Right? That God is stronger and all-powerful, and he is greater than the evil one in your life. But if you take yourself and put yourself in a position of temptation, do you know where God is going to say to you, listen, don't you overcome the temptation? He's going to tell you that not when you're in the bar. He's going to tell you that before you get in the car. Right? Before you get in the car, he's going to say, hey, wait, what are you doing? We've well, been doing so good, man. Your life has been moving forward so great. You've been, you're in life change and, and you're going where? For what? I mean, see, the reality is, yes, that verse is absolutely true. But the voice of God is going to speak to you when you're doing this thought process of compromise. And when you're there, temptation is in control. Don't take lightly the symptoms of retreat. And never forget the original principle that Jesus uh, shows us in Mark 14. He's in, the, in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Disciples are supposed to be staying awake with him. He comes back and he says, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with even an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is. That's us. Right? That's us. Don't forget it. That's us. Life change is when we surrender to the power and the will of God and we let the Word transform our thinking and our speaking and our acting. And when God is moving you forward in life change, you just got to be aware. You just got to be aware. There will be a temptation to retreat. How do you keep from doing that? Well, he says in Ephesians 6, Paul says in Ephesians 6, finally, let the Lord make you strong. Depend on His mighty power. This is good, right? But the question becomes, how do you do that? How, how do you let the Lord make you strong? And how do you stay dependent in that, that staying power to be able to have your life keep moving forward? His answer, put on all of God's armor. Then you can stand firm against the devil's evil plans. And he goes on about how real that evil plan is, right? But the answer for us is, listen, there is God's power of life change in our life, but as he's doing that, you got to do something too. What do you got to do? You got to put something on. Right? You got to put something on. You got to put on the equipment that God gives you to accomplish staying power in your life. You got to put on the full armor. So what's he talking about putting on? Well, here's the first thing you got to put on. You got to put on some daily time with God. You just got to get serious about making sure that, that God is part of your daily experience and that you just put on some time to spend some time with God. You say, oh, man, are you kidding me? Now I got to squeeze one more thing into my life. I got to make room now for God. No, listen, this isn't just that I'm going to take 15 minutes in the morning and get up earlier and pray. This is about having the word in your life the whole day. Right? You spend that 15 minutes with God, absolutely, but you pour the Word into your mind and into your heart. So all day, you're being engaged by the Word. That's what Psalm 1 says. First Psalm. Psalm 1 says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans and purposes, 
nor stands, submissive and inactive, in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest with the scornful and the mockers where they gather. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, and the teachings of God. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. Let me ask you a question. How many in the room want to be happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable? Enviable. That's it? I'm double-handed on that. Right? I'm totally double-handed on that. Sign me up. Absolutely. Right? That, I want to be happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Right? That's the life change I want God to do in my life. Well, what does it mean? Well, there's some don't do's. Psalm 1, there's some don't do's. Listen, okay, so don't do some things. Give in to the temptation and sit with the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the paths and walk in the ways of sinners. And don't sit down with the scornful and gather with the mockers. Just don't do that stuff. But there's also some do's. There's a do, a big thing you do, what you put on. It says, delight and desire the law of the Lord. And meditate on it habitually. Isn't that a great word? Habitually. I like that word. You like that word? Habitually. What's the root word? Habit. He's saying, look, you got to make this just a habit. Just just habitually. Make, make, make this a habit of your life. If you want all the other stuff, blessed, that is happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable, don't do this stuff, but do this. Make, make this a habit in your life. And what's the habit? Well, meditate on the word. How often? Day and night. It's not just a 10-minute-in-the-morning deal. Day and night. Let, let the Word flow into your life on a regular basis. Take the Bible with you to work. Have it on your desk. Lunchtime, when you go to the cafeteria or wherever you eat lunch, take that thing with you. Put it on. Open it up. Read it for lunch. Right? Just make it a habitual part of your life. That's what he's saying. If you want staying power and you want this life change to keep going, you've got to put it on. You just got to put on this armor. And, and the promise is in Psalm 1, if you do this, life change continues. You see, life change may have started in your life, but God's not done. He says, if you do this, then you're going to be like a tree, tree that's firmly planted by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in any season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Okay, we started with how many want to be blessed, fortunate, prosperous, enviable. How many of you want to be have everything you do prosper? Okay, sign me up. Double hand again. Right? I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to have everything in your life absolutely prosper and be fruitful? He's saying, okay, don't do this, but get serious about doing this in your life. you got to put this on. If you're going to have staying power in life change, you got to put this on. Second, you got to put on constant conversation with God. you just got to be engaged in constant conversation. In Ephesians 6, look at the number of times the word all plays into this verse. You see it? So we're supposed to pray by the power of the Spirit. And we're supposed to do that how often? At all times. And we're supposed to pray what kind of prayers? All kinds. And we're supposed to do it how often? Always. Always. Is it, what do you think? you got to put this on. Right? you just got to put this on. Make this part of your, your conversation with God. Right? And it's an ongoing conversation. Why is this important? Well, you know, if you're piloting a plane, right? 
and, and you're going to go into land, who do you need to be in conversation with? The guy in the tower, right? Why do you need to be in conversation with the guy in the tower? Well, because he controls the airspace. He, he's in control of the airspace. You, you're just directing the plane. He's controlling the airspace. Is, the principle is the same for us, right? I mean, we're, we're just working through our day. But God is in control of our life. And so you need to be in this constant conversation with God to make sure that your direction in life is in sync with the overall opportunity he's creating in your life in the airspace, right? In the future that he's got prepared for you. And you need to get into a regular group, God group, right? Not any old group, a regular God group. you got to get into a God group. Now, we tell you this all the time. You're probably saying right now, Okay, again with the small groups. Yeah, again with the small groups. Why? Life change. Life change. If you want to have life change happen, you got to surround yourself with life changers. Right? People whose lives are equally being changed. That's just the way it works. It rubs off on us. You surround yourself with life changers. And what you're going to experience in that is that when you face temptation and when you face struggle and when you're dealing with disappointment in your life, you're going to have a group of people who are going to be able to step into your life in a supportive way and keep you in that direction of life change. If you look at Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is if but someone who falls alone is in what? You're in real trouble. That's real trouble trying to do it alone. Right? You, you need to you get in your group. I'll give you an example. One of our one of our Bible study groups, uh, Austin group. One of the folks in that Bible study just had serious, significant surgery. Right? Man, that group they stepped up and they've been visiting in the hospital on a regular basis. They got a, a, a gift card, a food card for the family and said, here, here's a gift for you so you don't have to worry about food. You know, they've been stepping up. Why'd they do that? Well, that's what you do when you're in a God group, right? That's what's built into a God group. That's the way it works. And that's why Celebrate Recovery is a group experience. I mean, you may take the principles and say, listen, I can do these on my own. I, I don't need a group. No, you need a group. If you're debating, if you're saying, yeah, you know what, there's some stuff that have to change in my life, and you're right now debating, let me push you over the edge this morning and say, show up Monday night. Because this is a core principle of how God works life change. I mean, think about it. When Jesus came into the world, what is one of the first things he did? He went out and got 12 other guys. Right? He went out and got 12 other guys. Why? He knows this principle, right? He knows this principle. And when he was in Gethsemane praying, he was relying on those guys to pray with him. See how it works? It's important for us to understand the power of relationship that God uses in our lives. So get into a regular God group and get into regular worship, right? Again, okay, guys like me, we're supposed to tell you that. Be here every Sunday. But not for me, for you. I mean, you've got to be in worship. Remember where we started with our theme verse. It says life change is going to happen and we're going to be people who have praise on our lips. Well, that's what happens in this room, right? That's what happens in this room. We get in this room together and we become this incredible voice of praise and it just pours over us as we're all doing that together. 
Worship is absolutely vital. Don't take it lightly. Be here regularly. We make it so easy for you. Even when you're not in the room, you can be online. You can worship with us online. Last week, we had a whole bunch of families up at family camp, up at Camp Indian Sands, up at family camp. At 1045, guess what they were doing? Worshiping with us. How cool is that? They were online, and they were worshiping with us, even though they were way up in Nishkora, right? Why? Because it's what we do. It's just absolutely vital to us. Uh, Hebrews says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We just need to put on that experience of regular worship in our lives. Last one, we need to put on serving. You need to start getting yourself involved. Put on that practice of serving in other people's lives. Get involved in a ministry here at Christ Church. I know I keep telling you that. It's not for me. It's for you. Make sure you get involved. When you start pouring out, life change begins to get multiplied. Because now you're pouring into somebody else and you're creating a God accountability for yourself. That's the way it works. You're creating a God accountability. And as you pour out more, the more your life is going to be lifted up. That's just the way it works. Romans 12. Love each other deeply. Honor others more than yourself. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. How? Serve. See that? Because you're at risk. Remember where we started today. When you start experiencing life change, you're at risk because the evil one wants you to fail. He wants you to fail in this life. He wants the fire to go out. He wants you to put that equipment in the basement and let it collect dust. Put the Bible somewhere else and let it collect dust. He wants you to not show up. He wants you to not do all the things we're talking about today. Because he knows if you do, you're going to be able to stand. And you're going to be a life changer. You're going to be a world changer. You're going to impact the people and the world around you for the kingdom of heaven. And that is his greatest fear. So Paul ends in Ephesians 6 and says, So, because all this is true now, put, put it on. Put on all of God's armor. Evil days will come. You're going to be a temptation. But you'll be able to stand up to anything. And after you have done everything you can, you still will be standing. How many people want to stand? Double hand on that one, right? You see, if you experience life, if you let God take over your life, and he starts moving your life into life change, you're going to experience that temptation of those symptoms to retreat. But you've got to put on the armor. You've got to put on all this stuff. Just put it on, right? On a daily basis, just put each one of these things on, because that's what's going to empower you to be the life-change person that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your grace. Uh, you, you just uh, are so incredible that you won't let go of us, that you even offer us the opportunity to just get absolutely clothed in these spiritual disciplines that can keep encouraging us and giving us that staying power, that ability to stand and to overcome, uh, not by our own strength, but by yours. So, Lord, we pray this morning that uh, each one of us in the room would just take this to heart, would just take this word seriously, and uh, we'd get busy on it, that it wouldn't be like that exercise equipment in the basement and those videotapes on the shelf, but that you would just put us to work in these disciplines and exercise us to make us strong and powerful in the kingdom of heaven. 
We ask it through Jesus. Amen.